Hope you're doing well. We are in a series called Resolved, and we are in the second week of this series called Resolved. And um, what we're doing with this, with this um, series Resolved, tying into the new year, praying that your resolutions uh, will be these four things. And what, what we've done basically is we've kind of observed Remedy Church, where we are, and what are some of the things that we can improve in, what are some of the things that we can get better in. Um, and so when I say uh, we want to do better in these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're, nece- that we're doing bad. It just means that we have room to grow. And so there's, there's four weeks of this Resolve series in four different places that we're hoping to improve. Last week, we talked about communion with Jesus. And so we just, I wanted to encourage everybody to grow in their communion with Christ. And at the end, and we're going to do this every week, kind of end with a, a tangible take-home project. I gave us all out... Um, Bible reading plans. And I said, go and read this Bible reading plan um, this year. You can read the entire Bible in a year. And then after, uh, during this week, I was talking with some guys that were, you know, that were here and they're like, Bible reading plan for brand new people, like for the year, scares them to death. You, you could have made it a little bit more simple. And so just to kind of put this out there. If you were here last week and you said, I want to read it and you've already given up. Um, Bible reading plan, like in three years, is still, Jesus loves that. Bible reading plan in five years. God is absolutely on fire with that, if that's where you are. It, the point is just read the Bible every day. So don't, <clears throat> my goal is that you're going to commune with Jesus and you're going to be with him and grow in your um, relationship with him. So if one, if reading the Bible in a year absolutely scares you to death, then just make it three or five or whatever. Um, and so that's what we talked about last week was communing with Christ. And this week we're going to talk about generosity. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. And the next week we're going to talk about service. And the following week we're going to talk about mission. But for us, we're actually going to talk about specifically international missions. Just international missions. And these are the four places that uh, at the beginning of the year that I think Remedy Church can grow in their um, really advancement of. And so I'm hoping that we'll all be encouraged. And we're going to weave these four things in throughout the year. Um, normally we just go, pick a book and preach the book. We've, we're in the middle of Matthew. Well, not in the middle. We're kind of a third of the way through the book of Matthew. Um, we're going to be starting in chapter 11 in February. But for these four weeks, we're doing uh, a four-week series called Resolved. And so we're talking about um, generosity today. Now, uh, I'll go ahead and say this is the most people that ever come to a money sermon. I've never had that before. And so I even announced it that we were doing it. So last time I did it, like no one showed up. So I'm pretty excited. Um, Maybe this is a good sign for us. Um, But when we're talking about generosity, I want us to not just think about generosity in terms of finances, there's two other ways I want us to think, and I'm going to try to hopefully weave all three of these in through these my points today. Generosity with money, absolutely. Um, but there's a couple others. Also, generosity with time. Uh, some of us have a lot more time. If you're in college, you have a lot of time. You don't think you do, but you have just ridiculous amount. Get married and have kids, and then you'll know you, ha- you don't have time. Um, but right now, you have lots of time. And the other thing is not just generosity with money, not just generosity with time. Parents are like, that's right. Tell them. Um, and then the last one is generosity with other people. Meaning, I want you, whenever you think about your heart and how you feel about other people, that you're going to be generous towards them. You're not going to be self-focused, self-pleasing, and, and really what's going to help me right now. But instead, we're going to think about others. I want to be very kind and generous to others. And so those are the three things, when I'm talking about generosity, that I want us to really think about uh, as, we're, as we're looking. Now, the text we're looking at is going to be really specific to, to money, but we're going to weave in the ideas of time and others as well. 
We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So you can open up. If you don't have a Bible, you can look underneath you here in these, these green ones, yellow ones, or whatever they are, and, or blue. You can open those up. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 9. It's in the, it's in the New Testament, uh, halfway-ish or so through there. Uh, it's right after 1 Corinthians. Um, it's ingenious how they did that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, uh, we're going to jump in, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But let's pray. Lord, thank you for... Thank you for your word and thank you for um, the fact that it's full of, of things that, um, though sometimes might be difficult, uh, a lot of times <clears throat> it's easy to talk about our love for the word, talk about our love for Christ. But sometimes when we talk about more specific things, specifically in money, um, it can become uncomfortable. And we thank you that you didn't keep those things from us, that you, you talk about them all the time. And when you were here on earth, you talked about them all the time. And so, God, I pray that. Verses like um, where your treasure is, there your heart is also would would really guide our time. It would guide our thoughts and that we would think God's thoughts about money. And so be with us now as we look into your word. I do pray for myself, Lord, that you would really fill me with the spirit and that the things that you want me to say are the things that I would say. Um, I pray for each one of my friends here, Lord. And whether they're doing well in their generosity or whether they're not doing well in generosity, that you would comfort them, but also convict Um, that beautiful um, putting together of comfort and conviction that only you can do. I don't want to make anybody feel guilty. It's not my job. It's your job to convict. And I just pray, Lord, that you would use me. Um, Be with us now, Lord. And I pray that at the end of this time, we would be would be motivated and excited, not out of guilt, but only by the gospel, to be very generous people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're picking up right in the middle of a book, and so it's sometimes helpful if you're picking up in the middle of a book to know what's going on. We're picking up right there in 2 Corinthians 9, and this is what's going on. Paul, uh, a guy named Paul wrote this book, and he's writing to the Corinthian church, and basically, um, in chapter 8, he's saying, um, Corinth... There's this other region of churches in Macedonia, and they're pretty poor, and they were very generous. And since they were very generous, I want to hold them out as an example to you. And as you look at these Macedonian churches and say, wow, extreme poverty, and they're really excited about giving. All right, Corinth, you've got some money. Look at them and say, I want to be challenged by that. I want to give. I want to. And so that's kind of what's going on in eight. Paul's challenging them by, by pointing them to the Macedonian churches and saying they are very generous givers. You can be, too. And then the second half of eight, he said, so I'm going to uh, send Titus to go ahead and take care of this. And then we're going to go into chapter nine. And as we're going to a chapter nine, he's continuing in the same idea about talking about generosity. And what we're going to look at in our time today is um, if you're generous, if you um, would buy into, no pun intended, and I've been waiting for that, if, if uh, you would buy into this idea of generosity, yes, I want to be generous. Well, these are some of the results that you're going to see, and that's what we're going to look at. And I'm hoping that as we look at, uh, starting at verse 6, as we look at, these are the results of what happens in the life of people that are generous, that all of you would say, okay, if I look at those results and I say, well, those results seem like pretty good things. If I would capture the heart of a generous person, I want those results in my life. And I'm hoping that for all of us, as we see these results that are possible, we'll all be challenged and we'll all say, well, then I want to become a generous person. 
I definitely want to become known as a generous person, not just with my money, but also with my time. I've got time that I can devote to other people, not myself. I want to be very, very much concerned with other people and not just me. So that's, that's what I'm hoping as we look at these results that Paul is going to tell the Corinthian church can happen from being generous, that we will be challenged by it and we'll want to be generous. Now, these four things that we're going to see, these results, the first three are really results that are kind of um, going to happen to just us. And then the fourth result are things that happens to other people. So let's go ahead and look at the text, uh, starting at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're starting at verse 6, starting at verse 6. And it says this, the point is this, and remember, we're kind of picking up, and Paul's giving us some results here. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We can already see a result there. Um, so let me go ahead and put, put it up on the screen for you. Um, the, the first result that we can see, if we are generous people, the first result is this. Generous giving results in seeing big, God-sized things happen in your life. And that's given right there in verse 6 by this sow-reap principle. Notice what he says. If you just sow sparingly, it says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you're only seeing small, tiny Little tiny things happen in your life for God. You're barely, you know, seeing very much. It could be. It very much could be. I'm not saying it's a definite thing because there are men who are very faithful, women who are very faithful to the Lord. And maybe God's just not blessing them with seeing tangible results in their life. But it could be. And the point is to make you stop and ask yourself, am I really sowing bountifully? The principle is whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So if you want to see big, huge, God-sized things happen in your life, you want to be used, then you should sow bountifully. The result is, if you do, that you'll see it. Now, for those of you that are college students, you already say, well, I already got the way out here, Fudd. Um, I'm a college person, and all I do is eat ramen noodles. So I can't sow bountifully. I have nothing to sow. I'm just praying that a married couple is going to invite me over for dinner so I can eat something this week. So um, <laughs> um, you, I'm out of here. Well, let me, just, let me just point you to this. You're wrong, first of all. You're absolutely wrong. You can sow bountifully even though you have nothing. And let me just point you one... You are far more richer than the Macedonian churches. All right. Look at eight, eight, two. Look at this. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their, look at this, extreme poverty. Now, no matter how poor you think you are, you are not poorer than the first century Macedonian church. You live in America in the 21st century. You probably have a cell phone. They didn't have things like this. You have running water. You have a whole lot of things that they don't. And in extreme poverty, they are overflowed with a wealth of generosity on their part. They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. Look at this. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part. So you can't say, like verse 6, well, I'm out. I don't, I don't have to sow bountifully because I just don't have anything. Because you're never, ever in your life more than likely going to be poorer than one of these Macedonian churches who were begging Paul, please, Paul, let me give more. So there's no way that you can say in verse six, I can never sow bountifully. No matter how poor you might think you are, you can. Now, you might be making it just barely with your bills. Like I can't even, you know, I can't do anything. I, I, I have to not eat three times a day, three times a week just to make it. And three times a day, three times a week. But my point is this. 
Um, but you can also still so bountifully your time. You can so bountifully with your heart to other people. And so here's the question. Here's the question. If you're looking at your life right now and you say, which one of these really categorizes me? Do I so sparingly and don't trust the Lord very much? Or do I so bountifully? Um, the better question is this. If you're, if you're kind of asking and you're really doing some real self-reflection, um, how can you become a person? How can you become a person who will so bountifully? How can you become a person who will so bountifully with their money, so bountifully with their time, and so bountifully with your life and your heart towards other people? How can you do it? Now, I think we got on the right track last week with talking about with communing with God. The more we commune with God, the more he is going to reveal to us more people that we can meet, um, more people that we can meet their needs. We, we plan. We plan to to purchase things that we want, like if we really want a new car, or we really want a new phone, or we really want a new computer, then we plan it like we say, OK, I need. Uh, in order to raise that amount of money, I need to put aside this amount of money. And over the next six months, over the next 12 months, I'll finally meet my goal and I can plan to get something. And I'm saying, well, that's a pretty like I'm planning to buy myself something. I think that we can also plan to be generous. Not, not only plan and put aside money each month for ourselves. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Maybe, you know, you should do that. God is your father. And I love, as a father, to give gifts to my children and them to enjoy them. I like to watch them enjoy a gift. God loves to enjoy you watch a gift. As, enjoy, he loves to enjoy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm not even going to try it. So my point is this. But you should also, on the other side, plan to be generous. What if we can put $50, away each month? And then six months from now, we've raised enough money to be able to buy a single mom a car. And we're going we're gonna to give that away. Not only should we plan to be generous with buying ourselves things, we should plan to be generous to give money away. That's what I'm talking about. So when that's how you can start being more intentional about sowing your uh, sowing with your time, sowing with your money. And, and it may take you a while. It may take you a while. But the reason why you should do this is this. Let me read you uh, read to you verse nine. This is why you should want to be a bountiful sower. Because verse 9, it says, as it is written, and he's just quoting Psalm 112, verse 9. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. This is talking about God. God has freely distributed things to you. Everything you have that you're going to give to someone else. Everything that you have to plan for six months to, to be generous to somebody. Everything that you have has been freely distributed to you by God. Therefore, if that's the pattern, God distributes freely to his children, then in the same way, because we're supposed to be like him, we should distribute freely to the people that God puts in our path. So we need to plan. We need to intentionally think about ourselves and say, which person am I? Am I going to sow sparingly or am I going to sow bountifully? Now, all of us are going to answer saying, I, I, I need to be the kind of person that sows bountifully. But we're never going to if you don't actually take the time to plan. If you don't actually take the time to think through, what does that actually look like in my life then? 
what needs to change with the way I spend my money? What needs to change in the way I, I have my time? It, does all of my time go with um, watching uh, Netflix reruns of old TV shows that I've missed over the last 10 years? Or does my time say, well, that's pretty pointless um, to catch up on all the things that I've missed? Because in the end, it doesn't change anything. All I do is just know more about actresses and actors in the story. Instead, I can put those six hours a day that I watch six shows. Instead, I can invest into the life of someone who's a single mom who has children that I can help out with or, or whatever. I mean, you can, you can fill in the time thing anyway, and especially with you college kids. I mean, college students have – I learned – in college, I learned to play an instrument. Like, I just picked up the guitar, and not that I'm like, I'm not very good musically, but I had so much time in college that I learned to play the guitar. Like, that's hard. That's really, especially for me. If I, can, if I had that much time, you have that much time in college to do some pretty amazing things in the lives of people. Um, so you have way more time to invest than you think. And so don't just spend it all on yourself. Don't just invest all your time on yourself. God didn't give you your time because he has freely distributed time to you or money to you or whatever. He wants you to invest it in the lives of other people. So that's the first. And again, these results I'm holding out into you so that you'll say that result has challenged me to want me to be generous. So I'm hoping, as you see, I can do big things for God. It doesn't take, um, you know, Billy Graham to get to do big things. God has said that the poorest people almost maybe in the world in Master and churches can reap bountifully and, and, and see things than I can too. I'm hoping that you know that you specifically with your meager earnings or your, me, your small amounts of time or your large amounts of time can reap bountifully. You can see huge things happen by yourself. And I'm hoping that you want that. And as you say, well, if that's the case, then I want it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be generous. Um, so here's the second thing. Let's go ahead and go to verse 7. And this is one of the second, the second results. Because um, if you're like me, and maybe you're not, but, and I pray you're not. Um, if you say, yes, I want that. But sometimes when it's time, when the rubber meets the road, and it's time to actually open up the wallet and pull it out, and i got to take it out, and i got to give it to that person, or put it in that basket, or invest in that ministry like when it's leaving your fingers, you're still like, oh, I really want that because I could, you know, buy something. Or it's just like, oh, it's so hard to give money away. That, that kills me to do it. Well, I mean, that says a lot about your heart. But let's look at a result. I'm hoping that if it's, if it's difficult for you to, to part with money, you, you're a begrudging mad giver. Then let's look at verse 7 uh, because this is the next result. Watch this in 7. Each one of us must give as he has made up his, of his mind. So we must give. If we're believers, we must. It's not, it's not an option. Um, but the idea is that we get to give, not that we have to, but you must. All right? And then it says, each one must give as he has made up his mind. That's carrying in that plan that I just spoke of. We, we can't just kind of fly by the seat of our pants. Well, I could guess I could give now. Because if you do that, you're going to give far less in your life. If you plan to give, you're going to give more and you're going to reap more. But if you just wait for it to come your way in your you're not going to actually give very much. Each one of us must give his made up his mind. Watch this. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not like, oh, or just, oh, I feel so terrible. I'm, someone's manipulated and made me feel guilty. So I'm going to throw it in there. I'm going to hand that person this. Or I'm going to do it. That's not what Paul wants. That's not, that's not what God wants. That's not what Paul's asking for. But watch this. For, and so we're talking about an argument being made. For, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So the result is... That if we'll say, yes, I'm going to be generous, then God in his graciousness to my heart and yours 
is going to make it so that when we extend the gift to them, that we're going to be able to do it with a good attitude. We're going to be able to do it cheerfully. We're going to enjoy watching it happen. So the second result is this. Generous giving results in cheerful attitude and cheerful giving. Generous giving results in a cheerful attitude and cheerful giving. And some of you just need to hear that. Like you believe it with all your heart, but every time it's time to give, you just, you don't want to part with it. Like I can't, I'm not, I know I'm supposed to give. And I've even said sometimes, like whenever we take up the offering on Sundays, if you can't give this with a cheerful heart, then don't even give. It's better that you just keep it and wait till another time where you can give with a cheer. I say that all the time. And so you're like, good. Um, but the point is this, like, but we want to, we want to give with a cheerful heart. Every single one of us wants to do that. Um, I know you do. If you're a believer in Jesus, I know that you want that. And what this precious thing is for God loves a cheerful giver. The great thing about God is he will give you this cheerful heart. If you do it, that's a great result. Now that's two, that's two of them. The first one is that we're going to, if we will become generous people, we're going to see huge things happen. And I can't put a definition on the word huge. Huge is huge relative to you. And huge is one thing for you and it's another thing for Billy Graham. But huge is huge. God's not saying, oh, you didn't do great things for me. Like he's, he's going to be very, he's, to all of us who are in Christ, when, he, when we come in, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. And so anyway, back to this. Um, as we see, verse 8 and 9 was a support for that first one. And God is able to make all the grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things. I mean, that's very, very good to know that God has everything that we need. All sufficiency in all things. That when he gives us those things, it helps us abound in every good work. He's distributed freely. Um, so um, the next one is this. And, and this one's very self-focused. But we've thought about, we've thought about first of all, that we're going to get to see big things happen. The second thing is that when, whenever I, I say I'm going to buy in, I did it again, when I, and I'm going, to, um, I'm going to also get a cheerful attitude. The third thing, the third result is going to come from 10 and 11. And this is, this is pretty amazing. This is, this, I think this is rather extraordinary because this promise is basically this. Whenever, uh, whenever I, I, I decide to invest in the life of someone... I get to see them grow in Christ or I get to see them become a believer. And that that is pretty awesome that I get to see this. But there's also a promise that's, that God is making us in these verses. There's something happens to us. Something extraordinary happens to us. Now, you're saying, well, is that right? I mean, can I, can I be generous to other people and, and do it and know that I'm going to have this happen? And I feel guilty, like I should just not want anything to happen to me. I don't think so. I think it's okay to say, well, it's okay if this happens to me because this is a pretty amazing thing that's going to happen. Look at this in verse 10. This is another result of you being generous right here. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. Look at that. If you are going to be generous to other people, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, if God who supplies you with the things you need to give to other people, look at this. He will also multiply your seed for sowing. That's key. He's not going to multiply your, he's not going to give you more things so that you can now just keep them. It's not like a one-time deal. It's like, all right, God, you're going to give me all the things I can give to people. I'm going to give it. And then you're just going to give it to me for me. (laughs) That's not what it's saying. It's saying for sowing. So as you give to people, he's going to give you more for more sowing. That's why he gives it to you. And then it says, 
Uh, Well, I'll come back to that. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. He's going to increase the harvest of your righteousness. So not only whenever you have things that you invest generously to people, sacrificially to people, and you give it to them, also, not is he going to give you more things to give to people, but he's also going to increase your Christ-likeness. That's what he's saying. He's going to um, increase the harvest of your righteousness. He's going to make you more like Jesus. The more you generous you are, the more you become more like Christ, the more you become more holy, the more you become more sanctified. That's amazing, amazing news. Every one of us who are in Christ want to be more like Christ. We are very much, if you're honest, very much aware of your own sin in your life. And if you're honest, you want it gone. And a promise is, well, a way to be more sanctified is be more generous. And continue on, it says, you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us also produces thanksgiving to God. So we see all kinds of results here. And so I just kind of put all that into kind of one big category in this third one, which is this. Generous giving increases God's blessing on you. Um, Generous giving does increase God's blessing on you. And multiple ways, like I said, you're going to have more seed for sowing. You're going to also grow in your righteousness, more in your holiness, and you're going to grow more in your thanksgiving to God. I mean... Those that's that's all blessing from God. Now, we need to have a good idea about um, when it says he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food. We need to have a good idea about what we should be distributing. I was just uh, driving this morning and I was passing a gas station and it had, you know, across the top things that they sell. And it's like all the essentials, milk, bread, warm food, beer, cigarettes, the lottery and an ATM machine so you can make sure you get all those things, right? That was on the outside of it. I'm like, well, some of those are essentials and some of them are not quite essentials. Um, And so we need to have a good, like, if we get confused about what's actually needed, then we can be messed up. But the point is here, he supplied seed and bread. The point is he's given you things to give to other people. You need to make sure you're also giving them the right things. You want to make sure that you're meeting the right needs. Um, that's the point. He, you're give, everybody needs bread for food. Everybody needs food to eat. So he's given you seed. He's given you things. And we want to make sure the things that he's given us are the, th- the right things to give away. We don't need to give wrong things away. He didn't give you those things the wrong. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, so that's my that's my point is that we also as we're thinking about the fact that God's increasing blessing on us, giving us more seed for sowing causing us to be more Christ-like, and also giving us a heart of thanksgiving, that those things are tangible results in our life. So those are the first three. Those are the first three results. Number one, we get to see big things for God. The second thing is that we're going to actually um, grow in a better attitude. And we're just going to, the third thing is we're just going to get blessing. We're going to get a lot of blessing. So those first three things are all about us. And I'm hoping that those three things motivate you. Um, It's okay in some respects, to be motivated by those things. God wouldn't have put it in the Bible if he didn't want you to be motivated, motivated by those results. Now, this fourth one is what really, like for me, just does it. Like, I love the fact that this fourth one is it. This fourth result just gets me fired up. I love it. The other three, great, love it. But the fourth one is really what pushes it over the edge for me or motivates me. And verse 12 says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, 
they will glorify God. They will glorify God as you give. They will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And notice the second part and the generosity of your contribution for them. All right. So here's the deal. That second part of of 13, as you are generously contributing to them, as it says, for and the generosity of your contribution for them, as you are overflowing and meeting their physical need, which we have to do. Well, we don't have to do, but it's very good to do. That's what he's telling us. You want to meet their physical need. Notice that little phrase right above that what, of what is said is done. It says, because your submission flowing from the confession of the gospel of Christ. So there's two things happening. We're meeting their physical need. We're being generous with our stuff, with our money and our time. But as we're doing that, we don't just stop there. We're not just, we're not just philanthropists. We're Christians. We're missionaries. The reason why we're meeting physical needs is not just to do that and say, so have a good, happy 75 years in the air conditioning because it's going to be really hot later. That's not the point. If we never meet their physical needs, then and only tell them about Christ and they get saved. Well, then that we've made this 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 mist. Maybe it's not great, but the eternity is changed forever. So the point is, as we meet their physical needs through the generosity of our contribution, the confession of the gospel of Christ must be coupled with it. And I would say primarily. God's calling you to be generous, but not just generous as an end and of itself. He wants you to be generous so that you can tell them about Jesus Christ. And if that happens back up to the 13 by their privilege of service, look at this. They will glorify God. They will become a worshiper of God. Now, this is talking my language. This is the result I'm all about. Here's the fourth one. The fourth result is this. Generous giving results in making worshipers of God. All those things about me growing in holiness. And, and I love that. I want to do huge things for God. But I want to see people meet Jesus. I want to see people become worshipers of Christ. And so the fourth result of being generous is that we get to see people come to Christ. It makes worshipers of God. And you can see, as it's going, it says, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And 15 is going to be starting my conclusion. All right, because I know sometimes I'm long-winded. I don't want you to feel like I'm done in five minutes. I might be. But 15 is going to start my conclusion for me. It says this. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, he's been talking about the gifts of the Corinthians and what can happen. And he doesn't say, so thank you, Corinthians, for the gift that you're going to give me. Instead, he takes it to the greater thing. And he says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And he's not talking about money. He's talking about Jesus. He's rooting all the results back up into the gospel. And so I want to conclude with the whole point. Why would we? Why would we choose to be generous? What, does God just want you to be awesome philanthropists? What's the point? Is it because Christians just have more money and we should just help people? Yeah, but that's not the, that's not the reason why. There's a bigger, greater purpose and all of it. Everything is rooted in the gospel. You're going to hear this every week, whether they're talking about marriage or whether they're going to talk about mission or whether they're going to talk about money or anything. Everything has to find its end or its root in the gospel. Meaning, 
there's a man named Jesus that came and lived and died. And whenever he died on the cross, that was the... That was the payment for yours and my sin. We all have this problem of sin. Every single one of us don't just lie, but we're liars. And we have corrupt human nature. And because of that, we're separated from God. And if we don't, if, if a payment's not made for us because we can't do it, then we're separated forever. And so God sends his sons and pays the price. He lives a perfect life. And because he dies on the cross and then resurrects three days later, showing that not only did he make the payment, but he made the payment in full. Now that that payment's been made, if we put our faith in Christ and we say, that was my death, all of my sin is put on you and all of your righteousness that you have earned because you lived a perfect life has been given to me. That's the gospel, that message that that actually happened. Then I can, I can be saved or I will have eternal life with you. If we root everything in that right there, then we can understand, we can understand marriage. We can understand money. We can understand everything. So Paul is going to say the reason why you're going to be generous is because of the gospel. And I want you to just see it really clearly. He clearly shows it to us in, in chapter 8, verse 9. The reason why every single one of you should be generous with your money, generous with your time, and generous towards other people is because God, the Father, has been generous to us by giving us Jesus. Look, at it's, it's, it's very obvious right there in verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though before he was incarnated, he was in heaven enjoying all the worship forever. It says, though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. He left heaven and became poor, meaning that he became a human. Human, it's not great to become a human. It's not. The, the overall language of the Bible kind of shows us that over and over. Jesus is saying that he was rich and became poor. Over and over, he became like us to save us. And so, because God the Father loves us so much, though Jesus was rich in heaven, he became poor. And it was for our sake that he became poor, so that you, by Jesus' poverty, by his poverty, his becoming human, dying on a cross and then being resurrected, look at this, might become rich. And that's not talking about money. It's not saying Jesus died on the cross so you can have money. You might be poor the rest of your life. It's talking about spiritually rich. That he came and died so that you might become spiritually rich. So if you put your faith in that, if you believe in Christ for his work on the cross, then you will be spiritually rich forever. You will live with him in eternity. And Paul is saying, so because of that, that's why we're generous. Because God the Father was generous in giving his son and, and that purchased for us eternal life, then all of us, we should be generous, just like our Father, towards other people. We should extend out our finances and time and love towards other people for the purpose of seeing them become rich in Christ. So everything's rooted in the gospel. Everything is always rooted in the gospel. So what does that look like specifically for us? I said each week we're going to have tangible take-homes. And last week I handed out Bible plans and I hope I didn't scare you. <laughs> um, this week's tangible take home is this. And it's a little bit different than maybe some of them. But there's two things that I want us to do. And this is remedy specific. So if this is your first week. You don't have to participate in this. I think it would be great if you did. But if you attend remedy at this, as this is your church, this is your tangible take home today. I want you to go home with your roommate or your spouse or just by yourself um, and 
Over the course of today, if you're an NFL watcher, you can do that, but still do this. I want you to make a 2012 generosity plan. If you don't plan, you will not do as much. I want you to, in those three categories, I want want us to financially make a 2012 plan to be generous. Now, let me just say, I'm not talking about generous to remedy. If that's the case, awesome. Then the Lord will let us do more things. I mean generous. Maybe you want to say, you know what? We're going to go to Starbucks three times less this month and we're going to sponsor a compassion child or five times less. Or um, we're going to give to uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center in Rock Hill. Or we're going to think of a missionary that just doesn't let their ends meet and we're going to get... Or there's a, there's a student that just graduated college who wanted to be sexually pure so he went ahead and got married and now they're going to seminary and they're just poor but i have the means to help them make it through seminary because god's going to use them amazing one day there's there's so many illustrations of how you can be generous financially so i'm not talking about remedy although if this is your church then yeah you should be generous to your local church but i want you to make a 2012 plan play with your pray with your wife pray with your husband Or think through it with your roommate and brainstorm and say, what's my plan to be a generous person with my finances in 2012? Or time. If you're like me, I've got, I I, I do this, I have four kids, my wife, homeschool. I mean, time is precious to me and it's it's difficult to give out a whole lot. But so if you're busy, then you need to be really, really serious with your time. Um, (laughs) But if you have a lot less stuff going on, then you really need to make a, a 2012 plan. Like I don't have any extra time. Really, but if you do, then you should make a plan and it shouldn't be filled with just always being with your friends. You should be with your friends a few nights a week. You need the encouragement and accountability in Christ with them. But you can you can shave out some time. You can cut out some time to serve other people. It doesn't need to be that you're watching Netflix six hours a night, catching up on stuff like there's all kinds of stuff. And what I want you to do is just ask God, am I sowing sparingly or am I sowing bountifully? With my money and time and towards other people. And if I'm not sowing bountifully, what's the plan? Make a plan. God is very much pleased with us when we do things like that. That's the first take home. The second take home is this. Um, maybe this might be one of the first acts of uh, generosity that you get to participate in this year. As I've said, each week in this resolved sermon series, we're doing four different things. The fourth week, we're going to be talking about. Um, international missions and remedy. We're just a short, we're a very young church. We haven't even reached three years yet. And one of the things that we have been desperately trying to get off the ground is international missions um, as a part of our church, because every church is not just a call to serve their city, but called to serve the nations. And we've tried to get it off the ground. And for some reason, the Lord has just brought it down and we tried to get it off. And the Lord's just some amazing things have happened. And I could share with you. I don't have time, but uh, now, the Lord is finally giving us a little bit of liftoff here. And our first mission trip is coming March 12th through 18th. We're going to Columbia, not South Carolina, um, the armpit of the South. I grew up there, so I can say that. But Columbia, South America, it's the hottest place in the world, it, Columbia, South Carolina. Um, anyway, um, anyway, so we got this mission trip coming in March to Columbia, South America. And the mission trip is basically this. We, when Remedy is going to finally invest into a place... We're going to go there and we're going to be there. That's the, that's the place we're going forever. And so we're going to Columbia and we're going to survey kind of three or four different places that we can we can see over the over this course of this week. And we're going to say, we're going to spend a few days here and, and see what's going on. Spend a few more days in another place. Come back and say, out of those three or four that we went to, 
Where is it that God's calling us? And then we're going to go to that place and we're going to be there until we're all in the grave. Um, and this is one place we're probably going to go to one other place. But that's not in that's not in the works. But we know Columbia. So here's the deal. We have people that are going to be going on this on this vision trip. And just like you, just like me, I mean, we don't have tons of money just laying around that we can do this. And so what we're going to do two weeks from now on the 29th is if this is a first act of generosity on that 29th, besides our regular offering, we're going to take an offering for that mission trip. And so for the next two weeks, as you're making your financial plan for 2012, I also would ask that maybe you would pray through what would God maybe have you to contribute to that mission trip so that these people can have um, a mission trip where they can afford it? If, if it's nothing, it's nothing. Then sponsor a compassion child, sponsor a, a seminary student, whatever. Sponsor a missionary that's in Indonesia or whatever. I mean, do those things. But if God would lay it upon your heart to support this, this mission trip um, as we're getting our international missions thing going, then we're going to be taking that offering up in two weeks on the 29th. And you can be praying through that. Um, we've had, we've had a lot of generosity in a short three amount of years at Remedy. There's no question about it. Um, the trends, and I don't know what people give. I just know the dollars amounts. I feel like I need to as a pastor. And so, um, the dollars amounts have always been very generous. And so I'm not by any means saying that Remedy is not generous. And so it'd be easy for you to say, well, if that's the case, (laughs) well, then they're fine. I don't have to give. Um, the people that are giving are giving very generously. But if this is your church, I would say God's saying that he wants you to be generous as well. He wants you to join in and participate in the generosity that's already present in the lives of some of these people at Remedy. How much? I'm not going to give some kind of legalistic number out there to you. I'm just not. I trust the Holy Spirit enough. You know, some people say that 10% is the... They say it's uh, it's not the ceiling, it's the floor. Maybe that's the case. But maybe you can't do that right now and you shouldn't be feeling terrible if you can't. It's a good thing to work towards. But I'm not going to throw out some legalistic number and say if you're not doing this, you're not in the will of God. Instead, I think the better question is this. What's generous? What would be sacrificial? In other words, I can give this amount and, and I can make it. But if I were to give that right there, that portion to a missionary or that portion to the church or that portion to um, a compassion child, that right there, that'd be tough. I can do that. But that little bit of extra, that's going to be tough. And God's saying, that's the sacrificial part I want you to give. I want you to step out on faith and trust that if you would take that extra step, you're going to see amazing things happen in your life. You might still struggle financially. But you will increase in the harvest of your righteousness. The more faith you go and give, then the more you grow and become more like Christ. This is what God is after. Not after your pocketbook or your wallet. He's after your heart. And so the question isn't how much. The question is, how much can I be generous? How much can I be sacrificial? And how can I be cheerful when I'm doing it? That's the right amount. No one can answer that but you. Well, God knows. Hopefully he's revealing it to you. And so we've seen four results. And I'm hoping that these results are causing you to to say, I want to be generous. I want to see big things happen. I really do. I don't want 
my life to pass me by and look back and say, I just did such small things. I don't want that. I think every one of us, as we look at these results, says, I want to give cheerfully in my life. I don't want to give begrudgingly all the time. Yes, I'll give that guy a sandwich. I mean, no one wants that. I think we all want to give joyfully. Every one of us wants to have an increase of righteousness in our life. Or, have, as, as I said it in that third point, just having God's blessing on you. The more, it's right there in the text. The more we sow, the more he gives us to sow. And I think every single one of us who are in Christ wants to see more people become worshipers of God. And so I'm hoping these results have challenged you and motivated you to become generous people. Now, here's, here's the last thing. If you somehow got, like, roped into coming today <laughs> and you're not a believer and all this is like, oh, a money sermon. Are you kidding me? Um, don't listen to anything I said about money. Just listen to what I said about the gospel. Jesus, though he was rich, for your sake left heaven to become poor so that in his poverty, you might become spiritually rich. That's the sermon for you. You can be forgiven for your sin. The things that keep you up awake at night where you are dying and you know you need forgiveness. It's only found in Christ. Put your faith in Jesus and become a follower of him. That's your sermon. So wherever you are, I would ask that you would, in this next few songs, at Remedy we always do more songs at the end than beginning so we can have time to think and respond. If, if God has spoken to us, and when I believe he has, not me, God, because we've read his word, has spoken to us, we need a little bit of time to think. We need a little bit of time to respond. And so if God has spoken to you, which I believe he has because we've read this, then maybe you need a, a little bit of time to think. Maybe you need to confess, I'm not generous, Lord. I sow sparingly, but I want to sow bountifully. So over this next couple songs, think and pray and ask God to really mold your heart and ask and say, what does 2012 need to look like for me? And honestly, your whole life. What does my whole life need to look like to be a generous person with my time and money? And as you think and as you pray and as you confess, please also stand and worship. Romans 8.1 has promised you that there is no one who is condemned if you're in Christ Jesus. You're not condemned if you're not generous because God has already taken that away. He condemned his son for you on your behalf. So stand and worship the Lord who gave his life for you. I'm going to pray and then we'll go into a time of response. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. And in the 21st century, none of us are poor, especially in this in this country. So though we may feel like we have hardly anything, if we dig deep, we can see that we can be generous, not just with money, but with our time. Not just with time, but with other people. Help us not to think about ourselves first, but think about others first. How can we be generous to other people? How can we, and the whole point is, see people glorify God. The ultimate goal of every man is the glory of God. And so how can we glorify God with our generosity? Be with us now as we respond and pray and worship through song. In Jesus' name, amen.